Hey guys, I have a podcast that I think you'll really enjoy. Proof, the investigative true crime podcast co-hosted by Susan Simpson of Undisclosed and Jacinda Davis of Evil Lives Here is releasing its highly anticipated second season where they investigate the murder of 18-year-old Renee Ramos. The first season, which if you haven't listened to yet, you totally should, saw the release of two Georgia men serving life sentences for murdering their friend, Brian Bowling. And thanks to evidence unearthed by proof, on December 8th, 2022, both Daryl Lee Clark and Kane Joshua Story were finally freed after 25 years behind bars. With that same investigative drive, Susan and Jacinda are on the case again, and this time, they are on the streets of Manteca, California, to find out who really killed Renee Ramos. In proof, murder at the warehouse, you hear how, on June 5th, 2000, Renee's body was found buried beneath a pile of debris inside a new Home Depot building. And how, despite tips hinting at alternate suspects, her boyfriend, 18-year-old Jake Silva, and 33-year-old Ty Lopez were arrested and convicted of her murder. Fans of true crime and investigative series won't want to miss this riveting new season. Follow the case as Susan and Jacinda uncover long-overlooked evidence about what really happened to Renee by listening to Proof, Murder at the Warehouse, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the I Can't Sleep podcast with Benjamin Boster. If you're tired of sleepless nights, you'll love the I Can't Sleep podcast. I help quiet your mind by reading random articles from across the web to bore you to sleep with my soothing voice. Each episode provides enough interesting content to hold your attention and then your mind lets you drift off. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. That's I Can't Sleep with Benjamin Boster. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. What interferes with your happiness? What are some things standing in the way of being the best version of you? For a lot of people, life, your past, and sometimes your current situation can cause roadblocks in your life. Mental health is incredibly important, and so many, including myself, can benefit from talking to a professional and working to dismantle those roadblocks. That's why I'm excited to talk to you guys about BetterHelp. BetterHelp knows no two people are the same and will help to assess your personal needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. These incredibly convenient appointments are in a safe and completely private online environment, and you can start chatting with your new therapist in under 24 hours. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling. You can message with your counselor at any time and get a timely response, plus schedule weekly video or phone sessions which means no driving to an office, no waiting rooms, and no awkward small talk. Just meaningful sessions with experts who specialize in things like depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, trauma, family conflict, LGBTQ matters, grief, and so much more. There is truly someone there for everyone. And BetterHelp is committed to finding your perfect match, which means if you and your counselor don't mesh for whatever reason, they make it easy and free to seek someone new if needed. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling, 
And with financial aid available and access worldwide, they truly make it easy for anyone to seek the help they need. I want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash morning cup. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash morning cup. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cup of murder. A parent's intuition is not something that should be underestimated. On December 14, 1970, a man was born who would prey upon the lives of young boys. Young boys whose murders may have been solved and possibly prevented if police trusted the parents' intuition. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. On November 26, 1993, citizens of Fulwell, Sunderland, and England were shocked to hear about the brutal death of an 18-year-old boy named Thomas Kelly when his body, charred almost beyond belief, was found in an allotment shed behind a local hospital. Less than three months later, another boy, this time just 15 years old, would meet a similar fate. The death of David Hansen, whose burnt body was found in a derelict house in Roker on February 8, 1994, and the death of 15-year-old David Grieve, whose body was found just 20 days later and just 50 yards away from where the first body was found, further sent the town in a tailspin of panic. Did they have a serial killer on their hands, or were these deaths just terrible accidents? The police seemed to think the latter, and instead of warning the local teens to be on the lookout for a killer, used the boys as a cautionary tale to illustrate the dangers of sniffing glue and substance abuse. That their deaths could simply be explained by impaired judgment and responsibility around an open flame. The families of the boys were, understandably, mortified. They knew their kids and knew that they weren't ones to go off to abandoned buildings just to do drugs. In fact, according to the parents, those three boys never touched drugs. It took seven months of campaigning for a comprehensive investigation to begin that centered around the idea that the boys died not by accident, but by the hands of a single killer, a man they were calling the Sunderland Strangler. Not only did the parents campaign that their children did not die from drug use, but the parents of Thomas Kelly handed the police who they thought should be the prime suspect. According to them, all three boys were either current or former students at the Monk Wearmouth Academy, meaning it was likely that their killer was familiar or associated with the school, and that their son Thomas had really only been afraid of one person in his life, a man named Stephen John Greveson. Stephen, a former fairground worker and kitchen assistant, had threatened Thomas in the past, but when they brought this information to the police, they were ignored and turned away. Instead, the parents joined forces, compared notes, and pressured detectives to look into Stephen Grierson. He was finally arrested on March 11, 1994, for the attempted burglary of the Roker household where David Hansen's body had been previously found. Stephen, who thought he was simply facing the small charge of burglary, went willingly with police. He was questioned, but ultimately gave very little information that police could work with and was released. Months passed, a former schoolmate was charged with the murder and had the charges dropped 
before finally, in November of 1995, following an extensive investigation, Stephen Grievison was charged with the three murders. During his first trial, it was ascertained that Stephen killed the young boys as a way to hide his homosexuality, that he had a sexual relationship with the boys, more than likely non-consensual, and murdered them to avoid being outed. The trial lasted six weeks and ended with Stephen earning himself three life sentences with a minimum of 35 years. Then, in November of 2000, while serving his sentence, Stephen was rearrested and questioned for the murder of 14-year-old Simon Martin, who had been murdered in 1990. He had been connected to the murder when the semen found on the boy was retested, though he remained steadfast that he was not responsible for Simon's death even after admitting to the murders of Thomas, David, and David in 2004. That was until he was officially charged with the murder on November 22, 2012, and three months later, admitted responsibility for his death. According to his testimony, he lured the young boy to an abandoned building after playing football together. Once inside, he sexually assaulted Simon before strangling him and bludgeoning his face with a rock. He was convicted on October 24, 2013. Then, in February of 2014, Stephen was rearrested yet again for the 1992 death of a seven-year-old girl named Nikki Allen. She was found stabbed to death in an abandoned warehouse and suffered from blunt force trauma to the face, much like those that Simon Martin died from. Police later stated that he would not face any further action in Nikki's case, though he remains a suspect. Stephen Grievison remains in prison, and it is unlikely that he will ever see life outside of prison walls. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on December 15th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.